Oh man, Scott Deluzio, awesome interview. Uh, just I love his honesty, his vulnerability. Uh, someone that that clearly went through a lot of of adversity, uh, you know, in, in combat. Came back, had a number of struggles, like so many vets, and was able to uh, it, it was able to overcome a lot of them, but also just be able to give resources and be a resource himself for transitioning vets and and folks that that may be struggling through some of the uh, the effects of of combat military service and and just the challenges that come with it. Yeah, man. Um, you know, military veterans, this is a must listen to, especially if, you know, you're kind of near in transition or if you're, you're going through some hard times, some mental health issues. Um, there's a ton of resources. Uh, and Scott has, has taken a hard, hard, um, you know, thing that went on in his life and he's turned it around for good. Um, and, and I applaud him for that. Go listen to this episode, uh, but then also, Hey, reach out to someone. Um, if you need just a, an ear to listen to, come, come talk to us, um, or, or, you know, go talk to somebody, uh, like a therapist, uh, but go listen. It'll be a good one. Great one. Thanks. See you. You're listening to filling the storehouse podcast. I'm David and I'm Stuart. And we want to walk with you on the journey to living the abundant life through faith, family, and freedom. Our goal is to refine our why while helping you find yours together achieve our best and highest purpose in the end we'll drive each other to intentionally fill our storehouse all right gentlemen good to see you this is uh filling storehouse podcast um scott you're outnumbered today man you're two against one two navy versus army here um so there might be a lot of army jokes uh coming at you just i'm just gonna just tell you up front that's okay i think i think i can handle it yeah all right yeah man well, uh, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for coming on. Uh, you know, I've been uh, I've been listening to your podcast for a while now. Uh, I know you wrote a book. We're going to get into all that today. Um, but if you could, for our listeners, just give us a little background about who you are and and, and what you're doing. Sure. Yeah. So uh, my name is Scott Deluzio. Like you said, Army veteran. I served uh, about six years in the Connecticut Army National Guard. Um, deployed to Afghanistan in 2010. Uh, since getting out of the army, I've, like you said, I, I've written a book, uh, about my time in the military and some of the stuff that took place, uh, during the deployment that I was on. And I'm, you know, I'm sure we'll get into more of that. Uh, my podcast, the drive on podcast is focused on helping military veterans dealing with any number of things. A lot of times we try to deal with things on our own, feel like we're all on our own. Uh, nobody else has this problem in the world. It's just me against the world. And, uh, you know, I try to shed light on the fact that there are other people out there who have gone through a lot of the same things that other people out there are going through and they've made it through whatever the situation is. Um, and that there's hope for those people who are sitting there struggling, thinking that they're all alone in this. Um, so we, we talked to a lot of different people about uh, a lot of different topics, um, really not too much is off limits on, on the podcast. So we, we cover quite a bit. Um, and, and yeah, it's really, I guess the name of the game is just getting out there and helping as many people as I can. Hey Scott, I'm curious. We'll just jump right into it. Uh, yeah. why, why do you think it is? And, and from your interviews and just your experience, why is it that people feel alone? Like we, it's, it's not, it's not an uncommon message, right? Like we, we, we hear throughout the military, Hey, you're not alone. We, um, you know, there's always, there, there's these services available, counseling, all these different things that are available, but yet we still persist in this idea that, that we are alone in this challenge. 
why why do you think that's su- such a prevalent motion? It it's actually kind of strange if you think about it, but uh, when I've talked to people and they they've told me their stories because um, that's a lot of what I do on the podcast is go into the background of people's stories. They tell me uh, when they were in that situation when they're struggling, they felt like oh, I don't want to be a burden on somebody else. I don't want to burden somebody else with my problems or, or whatever. And um, I don't want to, I don't want to go to the VA and, you know, claim this disability benefit or use their services or whatever, because there's somebody else out there who's got it worse than me. And I don't want to, I don't want to take up that spot of that, that appointment with the mental health counselor or whoever it is. Um, I don't want to take that spot because there's somebody else who's, probably about to jump off a bridge and I'm not at that point. So somebody else can take that spot and help that person out. Um, in the, the army, we had, uh, you know, one of the core values was selfless service. And I think we hang on to that and we try to be as selfless as we can and say, no, let take care of that other guy or that other gal and just make sure that they're good to go. I'll be fine. Like I'm not at that point yet where, where I'm, looking down a barrel of a gun or ready to jump off a bridge or some other thing that that's going to end up ending my life. I'm not, I'm not at that point. Um, but unfortunately these things build up. It's kind of like snowfall in the winter. It like just kind of builds up and builds up and builds up. And um, there may come a day where you're looking at yourself in the mirror thinking like, I'm oh crap. Like, how did I get to that point? You know? Um, And I use this example all the time where, if you've ever flown on an airplane, one of the first things they say before you take off is if there's a loss of cabin pressure, the oxygen masks are going to come down, uh, put yours on first before helping anybody else. Um, and it may seem like it's a selfish thing to do. Like, oh, I'm going to take care of myself first before I go help my kid or or somebody else who's sitting next to me. But if you think about it, if you weren't to put yours on first and you're struggling with the kid who's panicking and freaking out because everything's all chaotic and hectic uh you're gonna end up passing out before you get a chance to help them and then they're gonna pass out too now you're both useless to each other and it doesn't help anything so um so at the end of the day like yeah you got to take care of yourself and when we say you're not alone there are services available there are things that are out there to help you Uh, they'll only help you if you actually use them and you know, I, I, you can lead the horse to water, I guess, but you can't make them drink. And and that's, I think, what we have uh, going on in the veteran community a lot. Yeah, man, that's, that's, uh, that's huge. You know, I also think there's, uh, there's a lot of noise out, out there. And, and sometimes I almost feel like there's like too many um, different offerings, if you will. Um, and it's, and it's confusing and you don't really know where to start. Um, you know, going through our, our transition, like, you know, you have to go through uh, what they call tap class, you know, transition assistance program. And like, you have this big VA book and like, you have a list of like, you know, a hundred different resources that you can go to. You're just like, where do I even start? Right. Like it's a lot like drinking from a fire hose. Yeah. you, You are getting so much information all at once. And it's, it's there. The information is there for you but you don't know where to start in there. It's like, it's like if you're trying to find the destination to from here, if you're driving from wherever you are to New York city, 
and you get a, a map and it gives you all the directions. But if you started off with a world map, as opposed yeah. to, you know, like the specific area, like it's going to be a lot harder to figure that out if you didn't know anything about geography or anything like that. Like you, you'd have to search through every single area on that map before you could figure out the thing that you, you need. So yeah, there, I think some organization is needed in that. Um, but, you know, the TAPS is a good start, but I, I think maybe it could be done better. Maybe rethought the through the, that program a little bit better and yeah. uh, organize things a bit more. Yeah, for sure. You know, something else that I, I realized uh, again, kind of as I was um, ending and ending the 20 year career, there's, there's like this unspoken, um, I guess, stigma, especially in certain uh, fields, you know, in the aviation field, especially like, you didn't want to talk about anything health wise that you had going on because oh, no. you know, you're going to get downed. Right. And then you couldn't go fly anymore. And I, and I think that's very prevalent in a lot of different, you know, special operations and aviation and cyber Intel. Like there's so many different fields in the military where it's almost like you don't tell anybody about anything going on in your life until the very end. And then you just like knock it all out. Right. Just to get like the stuff on your, on your uh, military record, your health record. Right. So then you can get the, you know, VA benefits afterwards. It's, it's so ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. It, and it, it doesn't make any sense that that's the way it is because no. if you have a, a pilot, for example, who is afraid to go talk to somebody about their mental health because they don't want to be grounded and, and not be able to fly, then you're going to, send a pilot up in the air who has some issues that are unresolved and it could affect their ability to fly that plane safely. And it really doesn't make any sense. Like why wouldn't you want this person to get all the help and be at tip top shape, like uh, be as close to hundred percent as you possibly can um, before you go send them up in a multimillion dollar plane. Like why wouldn't you do that? Um, but, but it's true. That's, that's what happens. And that's what the, there is that stigma where people don't want to go and get help, it, whether it's for physical, uh, issues, mental issues, they, they don't want to go and get that help and admit that there's something wrong because it could impact their career and they don't want to end up, uh, not being able to do their job. And it, it, it's really bizarre the way we have that set up. Well, and I think we also have. Uh, responsibility ourselves as the service members, right? Like I, I want to, I want to kind of touch this point too. This idea of being a burden. What's interesting is that I know, you know, as a, especially as a CEO or any leadership position, I was always encouraging my sailors to, you know, I was like, hey, if you need anything, if there's anything I can do for you, and, and I would probe with questions. It's not just like throw it out there. Hey, if I can add value to you, call me. Like that's not that that's useless, right? But I would, yeah. I would talk to them and and start digging and but but with the effort and with the intent to try to understand where I could be a resource for them in their lives, right? And if they needed help, I wanted to be the one to to guide them and direct them in that in that direction, and and do anything possible in my power to get them the help they needed. And I never saw them as a burden. As a leader, right. I never saw them as a burden. So it's just an interesting shift in our mindset to say, well, I'm not a burden. I'm actually, if I'm not performing at my optimal, you know, if I've got things going on, then I can become a burden. 
because then, sure. then you know my my CMC has to worry about the mental health of the of the skipper and and the command has to wonder if they have, they can trust the people in leadership positions because we're not taking care of ourselves. So this idea of leading by example that I think is more powerful than this this uh, you know and leading by a good example, not leading by hey I'm I'm just not going to go get help right <laughs> because right. leaders don't get help. It, it's ridiculous, like you said, and 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 I really want to encourage folks. And I, t- I'm, I struggle with this, right? Like I'm, I'm, I'm uh, going to start seeing somebody to kind of process through things, not because I'm, you know, to your point, I, I don't have a gun in my mouth. I'm not like at this, at this drop-off point. Uh, I'm not staying on the edge of a bridge, but there are little indicators of, of things that we just didn't process. We didn't think about because as Stu said, we just put it off to the end. Right. And, and right. Now I'm serving and I have more time to think. And I'm like, huh. That, that's something that's in there that's 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 troublesome and and it comes out in different ways so i i just really want to encourage our listeners that it, it is leading by a good example and seeking help is is exactly where we want to be as leaders whatever your rank is right for sure yeah and if you if you think about that going back to that idea of being a burden uh if if you think for the listeners or, or you guys even if you think about if anybody in your life who you even remotely cared about, like I'm not even talking about like an intimate, like uh, your, your wife or, you know, a child or parents or something like that. Um, you know, someone who you, you just had, uh, you know, a neighbor or something like that. And they came to you and they're like, Hey, I got this, I got this problem. And I, I just don't know what to do. And I, I need to deal with this. Um, and they came to you and they, they were looking for advice. I don't think anybody, unless you like totally hated the guy, but like, I don't think anyone would be like, oh my God, that's like, why is he coming to me? Why couldn't he go talk to somebody else? Like, like go, like you'll try to go and help that person if you can. And if you can't, you'll help point them in the right direction to help them figure out what, uh, what the solution is. Um, But then think about someone who you actually, you care about deeply, like a spouse or or a parent or a child or, or something like that. And, um, like you would do anything to help that person that you're, they're not a burden. They're, they're someone who's there in your life and you want them there in your life and you want the best for them. Um, and yeah, like they're not a burden. So why would you be the burden? Um, you know, if, if you went to them, if the, th- the roles were reversed and you went to them, why would they think that you're a burden to them? And I, that that's, that mindset just doesn't, doesn't compute with me when, when people have, uh, that that thing saying that oh hey I'm a I'm a gonna be a burden I don't want to I don't want to do that you know it just, it just doesn't work. Yeah, man, for sure. We need to continue to uh, to spread this message, and you know you're doing a great job of it on your podcast, and so I applaud you for for everything you're doing. Um, I want to talk about your book. Sure. Um, you know, I, I know I know you. Uh, so you write about your story in your book. Um, you had a, a pretty tough situation uh, come about while you were deployed. Um, give us a little back, background about it, and uh, and then I want to dive into to some of the stuff uh, in, in that book. Yeah, sure. sure. So the uh, the background is so my uh, my brother and I were both deployed to Afghanistan at the same time in 2010. Uh, he was part of the Vermont Army National Guard. I was in the Connecticut Army National Guard, and we were both of our units were in, under the same brigade, so it's brigade wide deployment. And so we both found ourselves in Afghanistan. Uh, we weren't stationed at the same base. We didn't even see each other while we were in Afghanistan, but we were both there. Um, 
about six months into the deployment uh, in August of 2010, um, he was killed in action. Um, uh, his unit was out on a on a patrol, got uh, caught up in a in a firefight. Um, they they were ambushed, and and he was hit uh, very early on in that fight firefight, and uh, and he was killed pretty much instantly. Um, and so that was a big part of what this story is. The story goes uh, kind of into our background, our, our childhood growing up, like the, just to give an idea of what type of person he was. And it goes into how we got into the military and um, obviously talking about, you know, the, the time that we spent in Afghanistan. Uh, but I think more importantly, it goes into the the aftermath and talking about how this affected our family, obviously, uh, you know, it was a, a negative situation for our family. We were, we were devastated at the loss. Um, but it, it goes to talk to uh, the civilians who are reading the, the book to help them understand what military families go through um, in, in terms of deploying. Uh, you know, I had a, uh, I was newly married. I had a young son at home uh, who was just uh, about a month and a half old when I was in Afghanistan. You know, can you think about that? Like leaving your your newborn son at home and not knowing if you're going to come back home to raise him. You know, in in uh, however long that you're going to be, uh, you know, deployed. Um, those are some of the things I think that the civilians don't necessarily think about because it doesn't impact their day to day lives. Um, not that they can't be aware of these things that they couldn't be conscious of it, but um, it, it's just not top of mind. So, so I talk about the, those types of things and uh, try to help the civilians understand uh, what military families go through. Um, and then including, you know, when, when a, there is a loss, like what happened to our family. Um, uh, but then I also talk about the struggles that I had after coming home, uh, how I dealt with things in terrible ways um, and, eventually figured out that I needed to get help and that I wasn't going to just fix everything on my own. And so, so I, I talk about that really to help the other people who are out there who are struggling to understand that you're, you're not going to just wing it and, and figure it out. It's not going to just magically get better overnight. Um, you, you might need to get some help, um, you know, and, and it's, there's no shame in that. So uh, that's kind of the, the book in a nutshell, uh, kind of the gist of it. Um, I'm, I'm sure if you, you want we can get deeper into it if you want um and and kind of cover some more of the the story there yeah you know and i'm curious because you've obviously gone through this journey and 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 significant loss and also the experiences that you had in in combat and those i imagine not only complimented but but just really um you know, they, they were almost like a magnifying glass to each other just to just to, to really magnify the impact on you and, and, and the impact that your family had. And, and I'm just curious, you know, how who are the people that you through your interviews and through your process, who are the people that are best able to to work through there? Are there any common themes like is it, you know, I'm completely you know, spitballing here and curious, but is it, you know, folks that have faith, folks that have friends, folks that like how, what are the. What are the characteristics? And the reason I asked the question is because I think there's a lot of things that are very intentional that we can do to prepare ourselves. So say it's, you know, 
surrounding ourselves with like-minded individuals, talking, getting this stuff out, uh, seeing it there, but like whatever it is, curious what those practical steps are that you've seen that have yielded the greatest success towards, towards healing and, and becoming whole again. Um, I think well, this is from several conversations and I'm kind of piecing things together from different conversations that I've had with people uh, through my podcast, but um one of the things that people can do is to mentally prepare themselves for worst case situations. Um, you, you do that all the time in the military. When you're you're training, you you train for first aid type things. You know, if, if something goes wrong, you know how to put the tourniquet on. You know how to stop the bleeding. You know, you know how to do those things, and it becomes almost second nature because you just do it so much, and you just know how to do that. Um, if we could do that with other things in our minds and, and kind of uh, increase that resiliency in our minds, um, we can overcome a lot more because we'll be prepared for things mentally, not just physically in terms of stopping the bleeding, but we'll, we'll know what to expect. Um, there was a, a, a helicopter pilot that I had on the podcast of late last year. Um, and he was talking about how, his helicopter got shot, uh, and his co-pilot was shot through the leg and he had to fly back to base to get the co-pilot medical attention. Um, but there was a split second decision that he had to make. Um, and I'm going to totally screw this up, but he, he had to pull something to keep the helicopter from crashing. And had he not done that, they both would have probably gone down and it would have been a much worse situation, but it, he had practiced this so many times over and over and over again that he just knew instinctively what to do. And he pulled the thing and, and the helicopter was able to fly. His co-pilot was able to get the medical help he needed and, and everyone survived. Um, so if we could do things like that and practice mentally, like what does this look like in my head, you know, and, and, and get through different situations mentally, then we might be better able to handle these things when we uh, face them in real life. Um, you know, you, you are, if you're frequently just walking in a dark parking lot after work or something like that, you know, mentally prepare yourself. Okay. What, what do I do if somebody sneaks up on me and you know, where do I go? You'll be much better prepared to handle that situation. Same thing with, with just about anything. Um, you know, I even, how, how do you do that and not like fall into like uh, complete pessimism, right? Like, Oh yeah. And, and yeah, I could totally see how someone could be like the world's out to get me now if, if they're in that situation. Right. And that's, that's not a good place to be either. Um, but just think about the things that could go wrong and, and think about what, what will I do if, X happens. You don't need to dwell on it and and make this like a every second of the day you're thinking about this thing. It's just think about it first. Um, and because if you have that that thought, then when the situation arises, if a situation arises, you'll be able to just go back to that thought, and your brain has already been trained for whatever it is that. Uh, that you've thought about. And I, I tell my kids this uh, when they're playing sports, they, they play baseball. And I tell them after, before every single pitch that is thrown, if you're out in the field, ask yourself, what am I going to do if the ball gets hit to me? And 
the answer is going to be different on almost every single pitch because uh, you know a runner might have stolen a, a base and now now the situation is totally different right so you have to ask yourself every single pitch and it's not like a a paranoid kind of thing it's just being prepared it it okay now the ball came to me now i know without even thinking about it i have to throw the ball to second base or first base or wherever it is that i need to throw the ball um it's the same kind of idea it's just so that you don't have to waste more mental resources figuring out how to get out of this situation um you can now use those mental resources for other things and, and that will help you um help you kind of cope with the the situation yeah. as, well as and as i as ask as kind of a gist because i because this is something that we do often right and I, and I really and i call it something it's just intentionality right? it's it's yeah you know before we get into a business conversation or before we get into any kind of negotiation I always like to ask, okay, what's the goal? What's our end state? What's what's the end state of mind? What if they say this? What if they say that? And you can yeah. game plan, and you can game plan life too. And I think too many of us just kind of float, right? And we we right. just float, and we don't. Because um, I did, you know, and I, and I I did that very similar thing. Like, okay, I mean, it was and it was pretty morbid before I went to Iraq. You know, I was working with EOD, and I was like, okay, what happens if I get blown up? How does that impact my marriage? How does it impact? What if this happens? What if that happens? And it's not a depression because I'm a not, I'm a very optimistic guy, um, but I think it's a very good practice. And I love that you said that. It's a very good practice to just talk through. And and, and it's, it's it's you can have a friend, right? Like Stu and I often talk about you know what what um, what if this happens? What if we don't do this thing? If this person responds this way, like how do you deal with it? And, and oftentimes our responses, because I'm a pretty, like, I'm a pretty, like, uh, emotional guy. Stu is not, so, you know, he's a little more reserved. So when we're talking about how we interact with potentially something happened, right? We're in the people business. Stu and I are in the people business. So if someone re reacts a certain way or responds a certain way, you know, we'll, we'll talk through it. And I'll be like, dude, this guy, like, can you believe, you know, we did all this stuff and this was a response. And he's like, well, yeah, but did you consider him? Like, oh. I didn't consider that. It just changed the whole dynamic because you you're playing right. through scenarios that you have no idea what they are, but at least you're talking about it being intentional. And, and so I, I I appreciate that response. Thank you. Yeah, and, and one of the other things that that I did before I deployed to Afghanistan was um, uh, for my wife. I I was the one who usually handed all all the bills and all that kind of stuff in the house. So I created a calendar of when everything was due um, each month. You know, if you had the the phone bill, the cable bill, the, you know, whatever it was, when it's due, uh, you know, how to, uh, submit payment, where, where do you submit the payment, all that kind of stuff. Um, I would, I would just give that to her. And I thought one of two things, like while I'm gone, I'm not going to be a whole lot of help with doing any of this kind of stuff because I'm going to be in Afghanistan. It's just not going to be feasible for, for me to take care of it. Um, but also if something was to happen to me, that's stuff that she's going to also need to know how to handle. And so could you imagine being at home with a newborn child trying to figure out how to be a parent? And then also, oh, yeah, by the way, your husband was just killed. Uh, now you have to figure out how to live life without him. And then, you, you know, your your electricity is getting shut off because you forgot to pay the bill. Like that's just so much more stress than is is needed. So I made it as simple as possible for her to just have all of that stuff ready so that it's just one less thing that she had to worry about uh should 
that type of stuff happen, you know? Stu, I can't remember off the top of my head, but what's that resource that we were going to use uh, that you can mention that? But second, uh, for our younger listeners, a cable bill, just not <laughs> like uh, paying your Netflix or your uh, Disney Plus or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean. I, as I was saying that, I felt the gray hairs just like creeping out of my skull. <laughs> <laughs> we know what you're talking about, Scott. We're, we're, we're there with you, buddy. Um yeah, I mean, we talk about this on the podcast or on the uh, in the mastermind group a lot. We we actually uh, have all of our mastermind members go through this exercise of you, you just found out you have ninety days to live, and and so what are you going to do with those last ninety days? And a lot of the discussions that come are I'm going to prepare my I'm going to prepare my family right. Like I'm going to get everything in order. I'm going to get the the will and the family trust. And uh, one of our friends, uh, John Laney, he, he has a before I die checklist, right? And like, there's a, there's a checklist of everything that, you know, where are all of my passwords and where's, you know, all of yep. our, all of our everything, right? Uh, bank accounts. And so it, it's, I mean, it's a, it's a good thing to think through. And like, if you do that stuff way ahead of time, um, I mean, it will make life way, way easier. It's got something else he said is- that what is that notebook called though? Just to throw it out there for folks. As uh, I'll have to look at it. We can, we'll put it in the show notes. We'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. Um, There's like a before I die notebook that someone created. That has yeah. A- it's like the emergency, emergency binder or something like that, that, that you can buy and solve kind of, you can fill it in on a PDF and um, yeah, I'll find it and put it out. I'm, bl- I'm blanking right now, but uh, Scott, something else you said that I actually just looked this, I was reading an article about uh, expectations, setting, setting expectations. And um, the, the posts or the, the blog article was, was talking about happiness equates to reality minus expectations. And so if you go into a situation where you set these high expectations, but reality is way lower than that reality minus the high expectations, you're going to be unhappy, right? Like you're not right. going to be excited about the end result, the, the reality, but if you kind of set a lower, uh, expectation, Right. And, and, and this ends up being great. Like, you know, there's, there's happiness. And this actually happened to me yesterday. Uh, We were taking my kids um, snowboarding for the first time, kind of like on a big mountain. My kids are five and eight, very new to snowboarding. They're just kind of learning and like MLK weekend, Monday uh, knew it was going to be crowded, like drive up, took forever, knew the drive back was going to be absolutely miserable, like stuck in traffic the whole way, which it was like, it took us like four hours to get home. And didn't know how the day was going to go. Like they could have gotten cold in like the first 10 minutes and they would have been miserable. And it would have been like a two and a half hour drive for 10 minutes on the mountain. So I set like these low expectations. I went into it like, all right, be patient, you know, smile, be happy, like understand that it could go really poor. And so I set that low expectation, but the opposite happened. Like it was great. Like they had a blast. They were warm. Um, You know, they were doing great and they didn't want to leave. So like we came home and I was in four hours of traffic and I was like, this is the best day ever. You know, I set this right. low expectations. So um, it's, it's, a, it's a good point to make Scott. I mean, uh, prepare your mind well going in ahead of time for like the, the hard situation and then also prepare your body, right? Like, and, and, and your, and your spiritual uh, mind to like be prepared for that tough situation. Um, exactly you know, do go do hard things ahead of time. Like David and I kind of talk about like going and doing, Hey, let's go climb 14ers. Let's go do hard physical challenges so that we can prepare ourselves for when that hard time does come, you're, you're ready for it. Yep. Yeah. And you'll be able to bounce back much better. If you like talk about physical health, if, if yeah. you're physically in shape, when something happens, you'll, you'll be able to bounce back so much better. I had a, an uncle who was 
diagnosed with uh, cancer a few years ago and and it was not a great diagnosis that he had it was it was i forget exactly what stage it was but um it it was like it, it wasn't looking very good for him but the doctor said if he wasn't in such great shape at the time uh he probably would not have survived the the treatment and the cancer itself um but now he's cancer free and he's he's doing great so um all that hard work that he did before keeping himself in shape eating well exercising all that stuff allowed him to beat this when when that bad situation came came around yeah and i'm curious uh you you had mentioned um you said that you, you did in the book you talked about some of the stuff that you didn't do so well mm-hmm. and some of the stuff that how you handled the grief uh, that didn't go so well can you do you mind talking about some of that stuff yeah sure um so when i came back from afghanistan so i i was home like two days after my brother was killed um which is like lightning fast for anyone who's ever been deployed like that's almost unheard of getting home that quickly um so uh so i i I was home uh really had no time to decompress after like i I was in combat that day uh that that my brother was killed like 20 minutes after finding out he was killed we were getting shot at and so um like that that day was just a total terrible day for me It, it was like obviously the worst day of my life, but, um, you know, I really had no time to decompress or deal with any of that stuff. And then I was, I was back home and now I'm, now I'm a father. Now I have to figure out how to be a dad because like I, I had only seen my son for a few weeks before I left. I didn't know how to be a dad. Um, I didn't know what was expected of me. And, uh, I, I was dealing with anger issues um I, I get mad at the littlest things like stuff that you you look at me and be like what is wrong with that guy like something is up with him and it was something was definitely up with me i just didn't recognize it at the time um because I, before deploying i was pretty easygoing happy guy like not too much got under my skin um but after coming back everything got under my skin i i would i would fly off the handle really quickly um, I was struggling with, with sleeping. I, I just, I couldn't sleep to, for, for anything. And I found myself drinking more and more and more, uh, basically at night to, so I'd pass out and I, that would be the sleep that I would got, I, I would get and that. It, that's like terrible sleep. Like it, it's awful. And then you wake up, you're hung over. Uh, so I drink coffee and caffeine, everything to get myself back up and, you know, that helped for a little bit until it was pushing that later and later in the day. I was continuously drinking that and that just made the sleep problems even worse. Um, and that all of that contributed to me being even more frustrated, more angry. And, um, just, it was a snowball effect and everything just got worse and worse and worse. Um, I, the job that I had, uh, when I came home, I, I only kept it for about a month, uh, after, after coming back home. Um, I, I just, I found, absolutely no purpose or meaning in the work that I was doing. Um, and I, I was like, I, I don't want to do this anymore. Um, the next job I had, I I held for about six months or so. Um, it just, it was hard for me to deal with people, um, to, I just kind of wanted to close myself off from the world. I didn't want to go out in public. I didn't want to talk to family, friends. I, I didn't, I just wanted to be alone. And, um, it all, it all came to like a kind of rock bottom moment 
when there's one day my my uh, dog or our family dog was sick and she was in our, our bedroom um and we had a, a bathroom right off the bedroom bathroom and i'm telling you about the floors in in these two rooms and it's important in a second you'll understand why um yeah. the, the the bathroom floors were, were tile floors and the bedroom floor was uh white carpet why we had white carpet i have no idea it's stupid but regardless that's what it was and the uh the dog was standing right at the edge of the doorway of the bathroom in the, the bedroom and threw up right on the white carpet. Two inches this way on the tile floor, nice and easy to clean up where she was steam cleaners involved. Uh, you know, the carpet's probably stained, probably ruined at this <laughs> yeah. point. It's, it's awful. Right. Yeah. And I'm at this point in my life where the littlest of things like tiny, tiny things will set me off and I lose it. And I'm screaming at the dog and I'm yelling and everything. And then I had this moment where I was like, who the hell is this guy that is screaming at this dog? Like the dog, first off, doesn't understand a word I'm saying. The dog's sick. And so it understands that I'm mad and I'm yelling, but doesn't understand why. And I'm just making the dog feel even worse. Now I feel like crap. I'm like, man, I am the lowest scum of the earth for being this type of person. Um, and it made me realize like I, I was yelling at my, my son, probably yelling at my wife the same way. I was, I was, I was just a miserable person to be around. And it's like, I don't want to be this person anymore. I need to do something and, and fix this. And so the next morning I, I, uh, I decided to call the, the vet center um, which for people who aren't familiar, they're affiliated through the VA for uh, kind of mental health counseling services. And, um, and I called them, made an appointment and uh, and decided I, I need to do something and, and change something here because I can't keep being this type of person. Um, and it wasn't easy uh, going going there and talking about things like, that, like we were talking about before, like that's not what you do. Like you bottle that stuff up and you just put it yeah, away. You don't men don't talk, talk about, about things. Stuff. No, like that. That's no way. Like it, it, it took a little while for me to open up and actually start talking about things. And um, and I realized that if I didn't open up and start talking about things, how was this guy who I was talking to supposed to help me? If he didn't know what the problem was, how was he going to help me find a solution? Um. And so eventually we, you know, we talked and, you know, I, I was, I was going to see the same guy for close to two years um, bef before I stopped seeing him. That was right around the time that uh, I moved out here to Arizona um, where, where I am now. Um, and after I came out here, I was like, you know what? I think I got this. I'm not, I'm not flying off the handle. I'm not yelling and screaming. I got the drinking under control. I'm not, I'm not getting drunk every night. And, uh, you know, I, I think I'm, I think I'm doing okay. So I don't think I need to keep going and seeing anybody. I, I think that would just be a waste of my time and everyone else's time. Um, somebody, somebody else can use that spot. It was the the thought process that I had. Um, and, and I was okay for a little while. Um, but then a, a few years later, I found myself getting back into the same old habits. I, I wasn't sleeping. So I was drinking more and I, I wasn't, uh, you know, I was getting angry at things. I, I was, I was yelling, screaming. I was, I was just 
you know, never violent, but I, I was, I just had a lot of anger uh, built up. And I was like, oh, when I started realizing that this was creeping back in, I was like, I guess I got to go back and talk to somebody because this is not working for me. Uh, and one of the biggest things that I realized throughout this whole process is that our mental health is not like a, uh, a thing with your physical health. Like if you broke, broke your arm or your leg or something, you go to the doctor, you get a cast a few weeks later, you get the cast off and everything's good. You don't need to go back to the doctor every six months or a year or, or whatever for the rest of your life to, to make sure that that leg is set properly. Like it, yeah, it's set. Like unless you do something else and screw it up, like you're, you're fine. You don't need to keep going back. Um, but with your mental health, it isn't quite as simple. Um, you may get to a point where things seem like it's fine. Um, but little things build up over time and they become big things. And it's not a bad idea to go in just like you do for your physical health or you should anyways, go, go for, you know, an annual checkup and, and get things uh, checked out. It's not a bad idea to go get your mental health checked out. Just to make sure everything is, is going okay. That there's no red flags that, that they see uh, popping up as far as your mental health goes. Um, and so those are some of the things that I, I wrote about in the book um, and how I dealt with things. And it, it really, really was a, a difficult thing for me to realize that I am not going to handle this very well all by myself. I might have to rely on somebody else. It, it took me a lot to come to that realization. Um, but once when I did, um, I don't want to say it was like a light switch and everything just became rainbows and unicorns, but it was, it, things got easier. Um, it, it wasn't that uh, somebody else was carrying the burden for me, but they were helping to show me how to carry the burden in a way that was productive and, and wasn't destructive as far as my relationships and career and other things like that. Yeah, I love that. And there's a couple of things there. And, and, and when I think, you know, I think there's also an element of getting back to how we were created to be right. This, this whole idea that we're supposed to be alone, you know, the, I mean, I, I think the American story of, of manhood and independence is, is, is quite frankly, just a, it, it's a terrible lie. It's a terrible lie that we've held up on this pedestal. Cause if you look back and, 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 and if you're honest with yourself, but if you look back to, you know, if you were in a tribe and you went hunting by yourself as a man, like you probably weren't coming home, you'd be right. probably be hunted. Um, but, but the things that happen when you go out hunting, the, the, the fellowship, the camaraderie, the laughter, the, the, you know, the, fireside chats the the ultimate success of a hunt bringing that back providing all these things happen and you know none of that happens by yourself and then it, no. you know even, even today like as an entrepreneur you look back and if you truly believe that you did it on your own you're delusional right you're delusional because at the base minimum say you're the most successful solopreneur ever you still rely on people to buy your stuff you still rely on somebody to, to, to use your product, right? Like there's no such thing as this doing it on your own and it's all me and my bootstraps and all this, this garbage. Right. And so I love how you highlight, Hey, I'm, I'm not going to be able to do this on my own. And that's okay. For me, that's been a game changer with our mastermind, like, you know, pouring into dudes and, and pouring into establishing deeper relationships with these other men has been an absolute game changer of my life in, in every facet, right? Not only my friendships and how rich they are, 
but also in how that bleeds into my marriage, how it bleeds into my family life, how it bleeds into how I treat my kids. I think, okay, would Stu yell at his kid right now in this situation? Probably a bad example. He would, but what would, uh, you know, some other guy in the group do, right? And I have to report back to what I'm doing. And so I think there's a lot of power in that, but also the idea of your mental health. I look at spirituality and mental health like I do physical health from the perspective of if you don't go to the gym and actively do something about it, it's going to, you're, you're going to, your muscles are going to disappear. You're going to get weak and get out of shape. Well, well, same thing with why would our mind, which is vastly more complex, our brain, why would it be any different? So I love the idea of this checkup, whether that's in a group being honest and vulnerable, or whether that's being, you know, seeking help, whatever that is. And I even say seeking help, just it's a mental workout. Go see somebody, get that thing checked out. And, and, and work through it. And spiritually, the same thing, right? Like I see the same, if I'm not in my Bible, for me, spirituality is, is, is paramount. So if I'm not in my Bible, working out, going to church, having these conversations, then it's going gonna, it's gonna to atrophy like anything else. And I think he mystifying these things is really helpful to, to, to just take action on, hey, dude, I got to go get a workout. Nobody's like, oh my gosh, I got to get a workout. This is the most overwhelming thing ever. And what do I do? No, dude, just go get a workout. Well, same thing mentally, right? There's people that can help us with that. Same thing spiritually. There's people that can help us with that. So I love how you how you really kind of, you know, in a good army fashion, you've dumbed it down, right? Because that's what you got to do in the army. You got to make it. Well, you know, I, I figured I'm, I'm talking to a couple of Navy guys. So I have to do something ah, to bring it down. <laughs> um, no, but I appreciate but yeah, you I mean, doing that because you went through a lot, man. And, and, and to be able to be honest about it, but also to give the solution or to give at least a path recovery is is i think is a beautiful yeah and w- when uh, another story that i talk about in the book is a time that we were we were training up to go to afghanistan and uh this kind of goes to the point that you're talking about like doing things together that 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 tribe mentality that being in a in the hunt and, and all that um when we were training up we we were uh in louisiana uh and we were driving around in uh, in Humvees and it's really rainy, uh, down there and the the ground's muddy and we get the truck stuck in, in the ground. And at first we're like, okay, well, we'll, we'll just, we'll get this one unstuck and we'll kind of go around this muddy area and we'll, we'll be okay. We'll continue on. And we end up getting all the trucks stuck and multiple times what was supposed to be like an hour of us just driving uh, from one place to another, um, basically just given some of the younger guys training on, on driving the vehicles, which they definitely got in more um, ended up being. Uh, so it was around, uh, it's probably around like dinner time. I don't know, maybe 1800 or so. And it was, we were supposed to be back probably around 1900. It wasn't until about lunchtime the next day that we actually got back um, because we were stuck all night. And it was cold. It was wet. It was miserable. We had mud up to our waist in some places. Um, we fortunately had axes, so we chopped trees down to use to uh, shove under the tires to get the so a little bit of traction for for these uh, vehicles. Um, but yeah, it ended up being an overnight thing. Well into the next morning, we had we had no food. We had very limited water. Uh, you know, it was it was pretty miserable. Um, but that one experience and all that hard work that went into it brought our platoon 
together like like nothing else that you could you couldn't have planned something better than this like we were so tight after that like because of that shared experience that we had and and yeah we're meant to do those things yeah man it's so i was talking to a, a friend of mine that i i served with uh, flew helicopters together with and and he um he recently lost his his wife uh, to cancer and and i was talking to him about it and and he said that one of the best things that that he's kind of gone through to to help with his grief is is writing um mm-hmm. and just kind of you know writing out your feelings on paper uh, putting pen to paper and 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 kind of just pouring it out there and uh you know, i'm i'm assuming um that this writing this book was very helpful for you as well uh in that grieving process um can you kind of just quickly talk about kind of why you, why you decided to write the book um, and, and kind of th- yeah. go through that a little bit. Yeah, sure. So when I first actually started writing what became this book, it wasn't even intended to be a book. Uh, it was shortly after I got back from Afghanistan uh, and I was really just putting down notes of things that happened, places I was at, people I talked to, conversations, that type of thing. Um, because I knew that over time, our memories are they play tricks on us. We start to remember things differently than they actually happened. And I wanted to put stuff down that was as close to what I remembered it as, as possible from, you know, when it actually happened. Um, Cause I knew my, my son at the time, I have three kids now, but I knew he was going to grow up and want to ask questions about what happened in the war, what happened to his uncle, what uh, you know, all, all of these kinds of questions. And I wanted to give him the real answers. I didn't want to just give him what my mind was telling me 10, 15, 20 years later. Um, and so I wrote all this stuff down and then, uh, a couple of years ago, I was sitting there and I, I kind of dusted off the notes and I was like, this should be more than just notes collecting dust in a drawer somewhere. Um, this should be a story that's told to more people. Cause it, there is stuff here that can help other people. And so I decided to start putting it together in a book and uh, you know, the writing process itself was, was pretty therapeutic. Um, it allowed me to slow down and revisit some of the memories that I had. Um, and when I say slow down um, a lot of times when we think about things, our mind goes really quickly. We can think about things really fast. Um, you know, if I, I say, remember that time in high school when, something happened. It's like, yeah, boom, I remember that. But if I was to say, okay, remember that and then write it down, write down what happened. You're slowing down because you can't write as fast as you think. And so as I'm writing, I'm really thinking deeply about some of the stuff that happened. And it, it actually helped me a lot to process through some of the things. And, and some of the stuff that I wrote about, I didn't even know about until I got into the process of writing. Um, for example, the, the uh, incident reports that, that were filed the the day that my brother was killed or the day after, whenever it was, um, I actually sat down and read all of those incident reports and pieced together exactly what happened that day. And so I didn't even know about some of that stuff up until the time that I was writing the book, um, but it allowed me to kind of slow down and process what actually took place and then make sense of uh, you know, there's 20 to 25 different reports that were out there. It allowed me to, to collect all that data and and really understand from 20 to 25 different people's point of view what happened that day and where where they were, what they saw, 
all, all that kind of stuff. And and it was it was helpful to me to to see that. I mean, it was a hard thing to write uh, because again, you're I was reliving the worst day of my life over and over again as I'm writing this, but it did help me to kind of process and understand a little bit more about myself and about what happened that that day uh, as I was writing it. Yeah, that's good, man. Well, I know um, your message and this mission will help a lot of people. Um, so, you know, I, I, uh, I can't imagine what, what you went through, what you've gone through, uh, but, uh, but I applaud you for, for taking it and using it for good, man. And I know it's going to help a lot of other people. Um, where can we Thank send you. people to, uh, to learn more about you? How, how do they get the book? Uh, where would we send people to uh, put in the show notes? Yeah, sure. Uh, the best place to go is driveonpodcast.com. Uh, that you can find the podcast there, all the links to subscribe to it, wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, you can listen to it right on the website if you want to, if you don't have a favorite app or whatever. Um, you can get the book on Amazon. Uh, it, it's available there in uh, all formats, hardcover, paperback, uh, the Kindle ebook. And I earlier this year, I released the audio book as well. Um, so however you want to consume the book you can grab it there uh and, and the title of the book to... surviving son right we i don't think surviving son yep yeah i don't think we uh, ever mentioned the title yeah surviving son is the name of the book that thank you for for that reminder um and uh yeah so amazon for the book or uh, driveonpodcast.com for the podcast and there's like i said links to all the socials and other podcast apps that you can find right right on the site yeah. Hey, Scott, uh, just again, want to reiterate, thank you so much, not only for joining us for your time, but I really appreciate you being so open, honest, vulnerable, you know, sharing your story. Cause I, I know, and you won't know how many people it impacts truly touches and changes in their life, but, but the fact that you did it, you put it out there podcast, helping, you know, such a focus on helping veterans transition is such a, such a critical thing, something we're passionate about, but, I, but I love that you're so focused on it and you're, you know, you're, you're giving your time, your effort, your resources to help others, man, because none of us are a burden and we all have a story. You know, we, we, we truly have a love for our brothers and sisters in arms. And, and, and I think it's such an important thing because it's, it's, it's such a small part of our life from a time perspective, right? You can only serve so long and, and the vast majority of people get out after their first, you know, their first, their first enlistment or, or, um, you know, the first tour as, as officers and, and such a small part, but it's such a huge part of our lives. And as we transition, there's a big challenge there, but you're just helping to, to really grease the skids and, and help folks through that, that significant life event. So thank you for what you do, man. Thank you for your passion. Thank you for your focus and, uh, and your dedication. It's, it's pretty amazing. Well, thanks for having me first off, uh, on the show and, and allowing me to share my story with you and your listeners. Um, but also thanks for what you're doing and, and having this platform available for people like myself to even come on and, and share uh, these types of stories. So, so thanks for, for everything. Absolutely, man. Hey guys and gals, uh, reach out to Scott. Uh, he's pretty active on LinkedIn. You can go to his, his website, uh, drive on podcast. We'll put it out in the show notes um, and, and get the book, read the book. It's, it's uh, an amazing story. And, and, you know, if, if you're going through anything like this um, start here uh, and uh, Scott, Appreciate it, man. Uh, military veterans, listen to Drive On Podcast. It will help you. Tons of great stories, tons of great resources. Uh, and most importantly, let's go all fill the storehouse.
Yeah. Thank you, friends. Make it a great day. Thanks, Scott. See you. Thank you. Stewie, uh, love that interview with Scott. Really appreciate how vulnerable he got. Uh, cannot express enough thanks for the fact that uh, not only is he willing to go there, but that he that he puts it out on in a book into perpetuity or as a resource for people to go back to his podcast, addressing these things, helping uh, just helping vets, man. It's it's a it's a huge calling. And I'm just so grateful for him and, and all the things that he's doing. Yeah, for sure, man. You know, one of the one of the key um, pieces to this conversation was, you know, we're not alone. Um, you cannot do this alone. You cannot do life alone um, unless, you know, going through a challenge like what he went through. Uh, so, hey, you know, guys and gals, if you're going through something, if you're struggling with something, reach out and, and you know, join a community, talk to somebody. Um, you know, don't be afraid uh, to be that person that reaches out and asks for help because uh, it's a big deal. It's important, um, you know, and uh, you know, David and I, again, happy to help with that. Uh, if you're struggling, let us know, reach out. Um, and we can kind of point you to some other resources too that that uh, we're involved with. Yeah, none of you are a burden. Remember that it's a hard leap for us to make, but you are not a burden. The best version of yourself enables you to be the best version for for others and to be a resource for others. So hey, let's uh, let's do this together. Let's uh, focus on our mental health, focus on our spiritual health, on our physical health, and, and just be the best resource we can possibly be for others. Yes, sir. Yes, do it. Sir. See you. See you.